0: Welcome to the Family Law Now podcast. I'm Russell Alexander. Today's topic is going to be financing your divorce. I'm with John Panagakos and Carolyn Warner today. Uh, this is a really interesting topic. A lot of people probably see these late night commercials with Magnum PI, you know, Tom Selleck talking about reverse mortgages to get help people finance uh, various crises that they go through. Oftentimes, family lawyers are asked to finance the litigation for their clients. Uh, It's illegal in Ontario for a family lawyer to take a contingency fee or make that kind of arrangement with their clients. Uh, Ideally, most lawyers want to be paid up front as the case goes along. But there are times when a client simply cannot finance a divorce. So what we're going to look at today are creative options for clients to perhaps access a line of credit or the equity in their home through primary financing through the major banks or secondary financing through private lenders. This is where uh, John comes into the picture. Thank you for being with us today, John. Oh, Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about your background.
1: What's your training and uh, what brings you to this area? I'm a licensed mortgage agent with the Financial Services Commission of Ontario. Uh, my background is pretty simple. I have, a, I have a banking background and a business background through, through school and uh, have been in the broker industry for uh, give, give or take 10 years. And uh, about, about eight years ago, I uh, was brought onto some family law cases, and we noticed that there was a gap. Uh, and the gap uh, occurred when the, the lots of government legislation and as a result, people were having a tough time getting financing because they would have their separation agreement finalized. And then sometimes because of the legislation, also, more uh, specifically what people know as the stress test, right. they were having a tough time uh, getting a mortgage. This and is when
0: they're tightening up the mortgage rules. Right.
1: And it feels like they've been tightening up the mortgage rules you know, eight times a year for the last 10 years. Right. Um, and so we created a dedicated service for people Excellent. separating and divorcing and needing mortgage financing.
0: And Carolyn, you're uh, an experienced family lawyer. Yes. And you've certainly dealt with clients who have a financial crush going through divorce.
2: Oh, absolutely.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about your background?
2: So, I've been practicing exclusively family law for the last nine years, um, and I've seen a lot of um, situations where they're going through the divorce, their bills are mounting, um, they're trying to find ways to make the money stretch.
0: Right. So we have ten questions or ten things we want to talk to John about. I'm going to take the first question. What is a separation mortgage, John? So, for a Joe public who you know may not know the language that lawyers use or bankers use, what are we talking about here? I'm going through a divorce. There's a crunch. You know, sometimes we're now living in separated homes, so we're paying for you know two sets of housing. Uh, the budgets are all all changed, and people are spending more than they're bringing in. So tell us a little bit about what a separation mortgage is and what, what can people learn from that? So a separation
1: mortgage is it's a dedicated service for specific people. So those people that are in the process of a separation or divorce and need uh, financing or home financing. Um, it's also people who are separated or divorced, so uh, that have a signed uh, separation agreement and need financing. Uh, it's also who, uh, caters to people... Who say a couple um, who may or may not have a cohabitation agreement who intend to purchase a property together. Um, and it's, it has since expanded uh, to include business partners who um, may have a dispute or want to go their separate ways for whatever reason. And there's property involved, um, people who have tax issues, whether it's with the CRA, the municipality, so on and so forth, and estates. Uh, and Uh, estate disputes so we found that though that all that has a very similar process and lawyers and other people have uh, been knocking on our door and calling us asking for assistance
2: thank you john so could you just tell us a little bit about what is the difference between a separation mortgage and a regular mortgage uh
1: good question so a regular mortgage is traditionally you know one or two people who um, who would like to purchase a property or refinance a property and uh, you know they have traditional income documents whether it's the job letter pay stub uh, and and a down payment where there is uh, no spousal issue so you know the, one of the one of the two parties or both people um, are not separated uh, or divorced and then so a separation mortgage is uh it it involves uh often involves spousal support payments child support payments um with and that we have to account for their income not in some of the issues that arise with that is not every lending institution will use 100 percent of the spousal or child support to help a client qualify for a mortgage that
0: could really affect uh applicants too right so where they regularly come in with a, a support obligation. Now, the separation mortgage, the, you recognize, okay, there's going to be a, either a child or spouse's support component, and that could affect the lending
1: criteria. Absolutely. So, some lenders... Depending on how much the spouse's support income is in relation to their to their net income or yeah, or their gross income rather, uh, they may only be able to t- to use a certain percentage. Right. So let's we'll use thousand dollars for example. You know the bank down the street may only use you know three th- three hundred to five hundred dollars, which represents thirty to fifty percent of their of their gross income, um, or thirty to fifty percent of the of the support
0: income rather. But can I just interrupt you there? Mm-hmm. This is really important stuff. So let's just say somebody engages your services at the front end. Are you able to say to, you know, the couple that's separating, um, this is what you're going to qualify for if you need X number of dollars in financing. So you need $500,000, your support claim's going to have to be within $500, and then they can sort of reverse engineer their separation agreement to
1: deal with that issue? We do that all the time. Right. So, so good point. Uh, often we'll have you know, Mr. And Mrs. Smith. They'll and, and quite often we'll have their their lawyer or lawyers rather um, on a call together or at a table. <coughs> excuse me, t- together, and we will say, you know, this is Mr. Smith's max to pay uh, Mrs. Smith X amount of dollars each and every month. Because the the idea is sometimes uh, the goal is to have both people purchase a property or keep a property right. sometimes only one person wants to keep the property someone's going to rent and that's okay too or
0: hypothetically the wife might take a discount in spousal support to enable the financing but might take a larger capital payment either by way of a pension transfer or rsp rollover or something it, of that nature it,
1: exactly and then the the good the good thing about our service is that you know we can engage You know whatever bank, and let's say Mrs. Smith doesn't qualify at the bank down the street, but you know the the bank up the street may use uh, may use 100% of child support and spouse support income. So it's important to note that every bank. Uh, in this country has a different lending policy and guideline. So we know guidelines and policies very well, so, you know, Mrs. Smith might qualify at Bank A today, but f- through the ongoing negotiation process, she may no longer qualify at that bank, but because for us it's really, literally a, a flick of a switch, we may be able to qualify her at Bank B um, uh, at the exact same low rate, uh, but then she's able to still qualify for so,
0: the known unknowns, right? If you didn't know that was an option, some people might just give up at that point.
1: Exactly, and we see that all the time. So we'll we'll have people say, "Oh, you know what? My bank couldn't qualify uh, couldn't qualify me." So they assume
0: they assume everybody's going to say
1: no. Right, and then you know the, their lawyer or their their mediator or their friend says, "Hey, why don't you talk to John at Separation Mortgages, uh, and uh, see what he can do." And then we'll we'll shop the market on their on their behalf. So
0: I'm getting a sense, uh, John, that people should engage you early on. Is that right?
1: That's the idea. Because if people engage me early on, what ends up happening is we we get to know more about the client, uh, build that relationship, and figure out is there something else going on. Right. right. Sometimes people have credit issues, and that's okay. Right. Life happens. But through the ongoing negotiation process of the of the separation agreement you know, can we rebuild Mrs. Smith's um, credit in the, in the, in the interim right. and then, you know, build her credit up to say uh, a positive Beacon score and then she looks more attractive to the banks when right. it comes time to, to provide her with the financing. Great tip.
0: Now, how does your fee structure work? What can the clients expect in terms of your fee structure?
1: So I know it's going to sound really weird, but uh, we rarely charge a fee. So nine times out of ten, I would say that the bank pays us our, our salary. So, the bank pays uh, my brokerage uh, something called a finder's fee um, and it is very... So,
0: banks are looking for people to lend money to. Right. And that's how they'll attract new business by paying people like you a commission or a finder's fee. Exactly.
1: So, they'll pay my brokerage a finder's fee or a commission and then um, uh, because I technically have brought them to bank ABC. And then what ends up happening is sometimes, do, do brokers charge fees? The answer is yes. But the answer is also, brokers don't always charge fees to their clients. It is, it is um, in my experience, it's rare. Oftentimes people who uh, are charged fees are people with low credit, uh, past bankruptcies as an example, or uh, people that don't have enough income uh, to satisfy the mortgage. Uh, at your regular ABC bank so or your chartered one bank and there are uh, other markets so we call them the, the alternative a banks that secondary, be, markets. secondary right. markets where a client might might qualify and because that bank takes on a larger risk they will then uh, there's a fee but that is fully disclosed upfront when we when we take the uh, application Right. So, to use your hypothetical Mr. and Mrs.
0: Smith or Mr. and Mr. Smith or whatever the case may be, uh, if Carolyn and I are s- send you these clients, um, they can sit down with you, I assume,
1: and get some information um, before they're engaging any fees. 100%. So, we will, we will always speak to somebody. We will uh, encourage them to fill out an application, give us a, a couple of documents that we need so we can do, you know, do a credit check. We can see what... Uh, You know, Carolyn, for example, can qualify and we'll say, This is what you can qualify for, this is where I think your max is, Um, but you know, also look at a situation where, you know, Carolyn might be able to qualify for an $800,000 mortgage, which is awesome. But, you know, an $800,000 mortgage Wouldn't also... would be awesome in downtown Toronto? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> true. I <was laughs> going to get you at a one-bedroom condo or something, maybe, if you yeah, like one-and-a-half. One. Right. But also, you know, we also recognize that Carolyn needs to live. Right, so we also look at cash flow. So does Kayla need to qualify at 800, but is she, is she way better at a 650 right. mortgage so she can, she can live each and every month and not bring on consumer debt because a lot of people unfortunately are So they sort of help bills. them with their budgeting and, and their cash flow? All the time. So we just don't look at rate, we look at, we look at the bigger picture uh, for, uh, for the client. And long-term plan, so you want your clients to succeed? Always, Right, always.
2: Thanks. So what typical banks do you usually work with?
1: So we're, we're fortunate enough that we have access to about 70 different lenders including all the big banks. So any like the Scotias of the world, the BMOs of the world, the TDs of the world, we all have access to. And then there's, there's also some banks that uh, they're, they're considered monoline lenders. And those are the non, uh, non-bank lending institutions that uh, they don't necessarily have a branch on every corner in, in any major city in the world, but um, but they're they're able to offer the same low rates, and quite often they have uh, easier lending guidelines for people to qualify with. What kind of Names are we talking to? In terms so of- you could look at a company like RMG, for example. Um, what is RMG's? RMG, R- I don't know. Oh, okay, <laughs> sorry. I think it was the original. From what I was told, I think it was one of the original founders, or the, the three founders who had their initials. I think. There's. A- you know, this is a cross examination. <laughs> you can't have an answer to every question. <laughs> Just letting you know. Right. Um, but you know, they're, they're they're a great company when it comes uh, to, uh, to to certain niche lending. Lendwise and Merricks, for example, are other great lenders who a lot of people have never heard of because they market, companies like that, the monolines uh, market to uh, mortgage brokers and mortgage agents. So for example, one monoline lender, uh, they they may, uh, you know, if someone's paying $1,000 in, in, in monthly support payments, they may not necessarily... Uh, you may not necessarily need to add that or include that into the liability section of the application. And this might get a little bit confusing, but let's assume Mrs. Smith earns $100,000 each and every year. And then she's paying child support or spousal support of $1,000 each and every month. We need to add that $1,000 into the liability section of the application, because there is a debt or there's an obligation each and every month and what we also, some uh, some non-banks, what they will do is they will say, instead of including the $1,000 liability into the application, let's deduct that same proportion by her gross income. So instead of Mrs. Smith having a $100,000 gross income, we'll, we'll, we'll then decrease it to 88000 and eliminate the $1,000 monthly obligation. One times 12, which is 12 months in a year, is $12,000, 12,000 subtract 100,000 is 88000 now we have an $88,000 income with no support income included in the liability section. We obviously inform the lender of what's going on and and it is much the, the application now or the applicant or candidate now looks much more attractive to the bank. So yeah.
2: it sounds like you're saying there's some differences between the banks. So apart from shifting around the liabilities, do you have any other noted differences between the lenders that you work with?
1: Yes, absolutely. So. For example, we we talked about this earlier uh, some banks will use 100% of the um, child support or spouse support income where others uh, if 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 you're the recipient of say a thousand dollars a month uh, There's only very few banks that will use 100% of that of that income without uh, without a without a history of you receiving that income some banks want a three-month history of you receiving child support or spousal support, someone a six-month history of you receiving child support or spousal support, uh, and so you know if you're in the m- midst of a separation, quite often you don't have that, um, you don't have that history. So we need to, uh, we need to go, we need to approach a bank that will allow that, will allow you to use 100% of that child support or spousal support. If we need it for you to qualify for. That's mortgage. why
2: we call you because <laughs> you know all the lenders. Yeah, that's so. it's <laughs> You figure it, out. it. It's my craft. Like yeah. I would,
1: like I would approach Russell and his team if I was right. going through a separation.
0: So, do we need a signed agreement before you can help, or can people just come to you before they
1: have a signed document? See, we're fortunate enough where we can work without a signed document. Um, and that's that's really the beauty part of the service where a lot of people they're they're working towards a signed agreement and then we were able to maneuver the application as such so today mrs smith is receiving $1000 uh, a month in, in child support or spousal support and the application can be approved at you know abc bank right. but throughout the on, ongoing negotiation you know she's now receiving say 800 you know, Does she still qualify? There's no sign agreement yet, but we're just maneuvering the application sure. back and forth.
0: So you're working with a couple that's separating and their lawyers to say, here's sort of the goalpost in terms of what we can do for you. Absolutely.
1: And there are some times where people just don't want to sign a, a, a separation agreement. I'm sure that you probably see this in your office from time to time where uh for whatever reason mr smith is is really up in arms and he doesn't want to sign uh does not want to sign this uh the separation agreement however mrs smith has decided to purchase a property and uh there are some lending institutions that will allow um that will allow mrs smith to sign a document uh formerly known as a statutory declaration that says i mrs smith do not owe my uh my husband mr smith x amount of dollars or child support or spouse support and we're able to 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 maneuver the application that way for right. her to for her to be approved so you can ex-
0: work exclusively just with one spouse absolutely so we're going to help you get a home still you're going to keep your battle
1: going on with respect to your separation but we're going to help you move forward absolutely there's always a solution. We just have to figure out what is happening in whether it's Mrs. Smith's case or Mr. Smith's case or the couple and maneuver the application in order for there to be a positive outcome. Great stuff. Thanks.
2: So what are the common challenges I'm sure you see a lot that uh, your clients face?
1: So the internet can be a really, uh, a really amazing thing you know, access information is, is literally at our fingertips, but one of the challenges is people will go online and they'll research mortgages and there's a lot of misinformation out there. And so I think that is one of the biggest uh, obstacles that, that, that people face is that, you know, they're being pulled in various directions. Um, it is it's very common that people would like to help. Uh, someone in need. So if, you know, say my brother or my sister is going through a separation, I would probably do whatever I could do to to help them. But they probably also have other people in their circle of influence that are trying to help them also. My information may be relevant. Someone else's information may not be. So this is where we find there's a a lot of challenges. You've got the Greek
0: chorus in the background saying, Absolutely. "Don't, Don't do it that way or my friend did it this way.
1: Right. And, you know, I remember when I got a mortgage 17 years ago right. and the rates were this. And what's important to know is that the mortgage industry changes each and every day. Uh, sometimes bank policy and guidelines change. So we're, we're current with our information. We just try and educate people on, you know, what's happening today, what happened, you know, many months ago and sometimes many years ago. And uh, but we always say seek the advice of a of a licensed professional. So
0: how do you help these clients overcome these challenges that you face?
1: Um, so what we try and do is we, we 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 just try and offer an education approach, and try and uh, and, and provide them a solution. So uh, when when clients come in or we speak to them on the telephone, uh, we ask them what have you heard. You know, uh, is there someone, the Greek course, for example, you know, there, there must be uh, a few people in your ear and we try and um, overcome those obstacles and right? right. we, we just try and say, okay, you know what, that was relevant three years ago. Since then there's been two or three legislative changes and this is how it works. This is how it works today. So it's really educating people who may or may not have uh, a finance background or may not ha- know anything about, about mortgages. Mortgages is a, is a, is a very tough, uh, is a very difficult subject to, to comprehend. Sometimes even the best of us uh, mortgage professionals have a tough time. But um, I guess you have
0: to educate the, a lot of the lawyers too in terms of
1: what the options are. Absolutely. And then, you know, throw in the stress test. And that's been a big buzzword for the last couple of years, right? Everyone seems to think that, it's, um, that they're going to have a, a difficult time qualifying for a mortgage because of the stress test. However, what a lot of people don't understand is that not every lending institution in the country um, has, uh, ha- offers the stress test or has a stress test. So some lending institutions are stress test exempt. So for, for some people, it, it's actually easier for them to, to qualify for For and for, the,
0: for the public, when we're talking about stress test, uh, we're talking about the rules getting tightened up by the government uh, for major financial institutions. So what are we looking at when we use that term?
1: So what ends up happening is so let's say we're, we're, we're doing a mortgage or we're helping a mortgage for Mrs. Smith. Um, today, Mrs. Smith needs to qualify at the Bank of Canada benchmark rate, which is 5.19%. Mrs. Smith is not going to uh, have a mortgage of 5.19%. Mrs. Smith is probably going to have a mortgage rate of probably you know, 279 or 289. However, the rule is that you have to qualify for a, a rate that's 2% higher than, than the rate that you're actually going to get. So that's the stress test. So it's much more difficult for anybody to qualify at that big Canada benchmark rate. Um, and so this is where it's left a lot of people on the sidelines where it's discouraged a lot right. of people. But that doesn't apply to secondary lenders? Not necessarily secondary lenders. It doesn't apply to all credit unions. Okay. So a lot of credit unions are provincially licensed. As a result, they, they don't have to, um, they, they, they're stress test exempt. Okay. not all but some good to know
2: that's where you need to know all your lenders right
1: absolutely so and that's and and that's where we that's where the benefit of using a mortgage professional is because if mrs smith doesn't qualify say scotia because of the stress test we can then uh then we can help her with um with uh qualifying at a credit union
2: so what about bridge financing like how does that work <coughs>
1: No, bridge financing is very, uh, very important. So first and foremost, um, what people need to understand is that if you're in the process of a separation, um, I will start with this. If you're in the process of a separation and um, and you want to bridge finance your, we'll say, the matrimonial home, both Mr. Smith and Mr. Smith need to sign that bridge document. Otherwise, no one can give you uh, it's I won't say no. Yeah, I will say no one will give you a bridge, uh, bridge financing. The actual definition of uh, uh, bridge financing is it's a loan, it's, it's a tempor- it's temporary finance option designed to help homeowners bridge the gap between the, um, the time your existing home is sold and your new property is purchased. So essentially what ends up happening is you will technically own, say, two pieces of property for a short period of time but you're using the uh, the equity of one property as the down payment for the uh, for your for the property you intend to move into or purchase which is
0: common for people going through divorce we have usually one party wants to keep the home the second party wants access access their equity to buy their own home and it sounds like the bridge would be a good fit for that
1: yeah in many cases in many cases it is but both spouses need to, or separating spouses, need to sign that bridge document. Right. Um, it's also important to note that um, the, the, so most banks, I, I want to say all banks, but uh, will not offer what I refer to uh, a double bridge. So, for example, Mr. Smith and Mrs. Smith, Mr. Smith and Mrs. You're Smith. It's acting like a lawyer now. <laughs> double bridge. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So sometimes, you know, I, I don't know if that's the correct uh, the, the correct term. I get term, it. I get it. Yeah, both yeah. parties. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but so, Mr. Smith and Mrs. Smith. Own, they both want to buy new homes, and, and they're they selling and and sold the first home. one. Got it. So, but they're both um, they're uh, they both bank at say, Scotia, and I'm not picking on any uh, lending institution by by any means, but let's say they're they're clients of Scotia and they both walk in and they see their their bank representative. They're like, we're both selling the matrimonial home. Here is our signed separation agreement or we don't have a signed separation agreement. Please help us out. Only one of the two parties can have a uh, a bridge or bridge financing with Scotia. The other party needs to go to another institution for for that to happen. Right. So only uh, so basically one bridge per lending institution. I see. In, in other words, which adds to the frustration and to the challenges of people who need, say, a double bridge, for example, and are, are uh, intend to sell their uh, their right. matrimonial home. Or it could
0: increase their costs of financing if they have to pay a higher interest rate uh, or
1: a fee somewhere else. Right, and sometimes people need a. Sometimes people can't qualify for a bridge, right? So do they get a private bridge, which is a little bit more expensive? Not, it's nothing overly crazy, but um, so this is some of the challenges that we that we need uh, to overcome, and this is the benefit of having 70 different lenders, you know, and all the major banks. In your in your Rolodex
0: right I'm just <coughs> going to throw you a bit of a lob ball here John and this has been great information thank you for sharing so let's get down to the nuts and bolts here somebody's going through a divorce they can't afford to pay their lawyer they're gonna go see somebody like you to say okay I need financing uh, to pay my lawyer to get me through this process how do the lawyers get paid or what's the practical way to address the issue where the client needs funds to pay legal fees to continue with the litigation
1: okay so uh anytime you so mr if mr and mrs smith are both we'll say it's the matrimonial home both parties need to sign a document that says mr smith and mr smith understand that there's going think to be of that movie when you
0: yeah <laughs> with Brad Pitt and Angelina <laughs> Frank break in the glassware and take that as a
1: compliment. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> call me Brad Pitt. Sorry, to cut- okay, yeah. <laughs> um, but both people will need to sign a document that says we're going to add a line of credit to the property, um, and we, we we've done that uh, in the past. Where that could be done fairly quickly if they both agree. Absolutely, if they both agree. Right. right. And usually the process is not always, but usually the process is, you know, let's say they need fifty thousand dollars as an example. Uh, Mrs. Smith will have access to 25, Mr. Smith will have access to 25. Right. Uh, and they're going to adjust that there.
0: payment later, build it into the final absolutely. settlement
1: that they arrive at. Absolutely. Sometimes, m- you know, Mrs. Smith or Mr. Smith or whoever doesn't want to sign something. I totally understand that. There out, are, out
0: of hate or <coughs> spite or perceived wrong, something unrelated to There's the practical.
1: Problem of trying to get financed. Absolutely, there, there's there's a million different reasons on, on why someone doesn't want to sign something. Uh, we have uh, we have a lender out of um, out of BC who will uh, provide. I believe it's up to thirty five thousand dollars on a personal line of credit um, for for various things, which include you know legal costs. And the application process is pretty straightforward. Uh, clients can uh, access funds within about forty eight hours. On, uh, on the completion of the application, so it's pretty, it's, right. it's pretty quick and so it's it helped a lot of people. So
0: for the public, you can't afford a lawyer or people don't walk <coughs> around with you know, $5,000, $10,000 in their pocket for legal fees, uh, but they need to get
1: through the process and be represented, this is an option that's open to them. Absolutely. The idea is to give people options and give them the, uh, the, the pros and cons of each possible outcome and allow them to make the best possible decision for themselves. Great
2: stuff. Thank you, John. Thank you. So that kind of leads us to the next uh, question I have here is so, what would you say are the advantages of using someone like yourself as a separation mortgage expert?
1: Um, so, good question. So, um, one of the major benefits uh, or advantages is our access to, to, to a plethora of, uh, of, of lenders, right? As we discussed earlier, not every bank is built the same. So um, because we have access to, to all of them, we're essentially a one-stop shop. So it's also convenience. Um, we also review the client's entire financial picture and bring in other professionals on an, ad, on an as-needed basis. So I'm not a, I'm not a professional where, where I say, hey, you want Mrs. Smith? Use me because of a low rate. Most if not all mortgage professionals have low rates. But what we'll, we also look at is, you know what, you're going through uh, um, a challenging time. You're going through a big change in your life. Do you need to update your will? Do you have, do you have a wills and estates lawyer? Mm-hmm. Now is the time to update your, your will. Uh, you have you know, one, two, three, four kids or no kids. Um, is, is it a good time to update your will? Uh, and a lot of people don't, necess- or uh, so to update their your will. Um, but not a lot of people understand that this is a this is a good time to do this. Also, um, not that I offer, uh, sorry, not that I sell any of this stuff, but it, it's a good discussion. Um, oftentimes people, uh, because they're going through a life change, should you be updating your personal insurance? So do you have a personal insurance person who can... Uh, who can who can make sure that you're properly uh, insured in the case of a premature death or uh, some sort of uh, critical illness? So, if we need to bring in somebody, or we engage uh, the client's professional and say, "Hey, guess what? Something's going on in their lives. Probably a good idea that we um, that, that we update everything, just so the client is in the best possible uh, best possible position." Um, another thing is. Uh, we talked about education and that can be really, really impactful uh, throughout the entire process because you know, mor- mortgages aren't, uh, aren't everyone's forte and uh, it's a good opportunity for people to understand the, um, the ins and outs of mortgages, uh, you know, let's say today for example. You know, and in three or four years, the, the mortgage industry will change again, but we're constantly updating clients with, with, with information and stuff that we send to them uh, personally and via email. Uh, and another advantage is you know, we, we pride ourselves with, uh, with something called the, our mortgage tracker. So we track, uh, so we'll do uh, Mrs. Smith's mortgage, it'll fund say December 1st, and her rate is say 279 or whatever her rate is. And what our mortgage tracker does is it gauges itself against every uh, mortgage lending institution in the country, and it will automatically notify myself, and will notify Mrs. Smith if there is a uh, future savings opportunity. So, in six months from now, um, you know, let's say there's a savings opportunity. Say, hey, you know what? Uh, there, there's, I get a notification and say, "Hey, Mrs. Smith, you know, just want to let you know that uh, you know, your y- there's a savings opportunity with your mortgage. Would you would you like to have that? Dis- uh, would you like to have that discussion? And at least it prompts a phone call, and clients know that they're always uh, taken care of throughout the throughout the entire process. And
0: that's a great service. So we have clients that listen to this podcast. We also have other professionals." <coughs> And lawyers who listen to our podcasts. So let's talk about lawyers. What tips do you have for lawyers who want to engage um, mortgage experts such as yourself? What should we be telling our clients? What should we be doing to
1: help our clients through this process? So, really good question. Um, I always say, if there is a, if there's a family lawyer or any lawyer for that matter or, or a professional for that matter who has a, an existing relationship with a mortgage professional or a banker or whoever to go out for lunch right go out with that go out with him or her and and create a solid foundation if one doesn't exist because uh, having a mortgage broker mortgage professional at your disposal is 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 really important especially with uh, separation and, and divorce um, you know ask the tough questions you know what is your experience like with separation mortgage financing as an example you know have you done this before are you licensed there's a lot of people who aren 't licensed that 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 provide financial advice each and every day you know can you imagine if there was It was
0: like recourse with all the friends and
1: family who you know that we know somebody who's been through it and yeah absolutely what are you talking about you're only getting a thousand dollars a month and Jane down the street That's right. right so you got five thousand you're a lawyer, yeah. right but can you imagine if they a, usually
0: blame the lawyers <laughs> at that point in time <laughs> well
1: wow. um, but can you imagine that you were um, that you, you know you're a licensed lawyer and you have a great reputation in the business but can you imagine that you were In a courtroom with someone who was unlicensed, or someone was giving, not necessarily your client, but uh, the client's um, ex, advice. Right. So I always say, talk to your mortgage professional and have have those discussions. Say, hey, how can you help me, and how can you help, you know, my clients, and can you pick up the phone at two o'clock in the afternoon um, because I'm in the middle of a mediation, and that happens to us. All the time, you know, it, it's it's also important to know that clients get my uh, to look at my personal cell phone number, as do as do lawyers that that re, uh, refer me uh, to their clients. But um, you know, it's important to have uh, or any professional to have a mortgage broker on call, so to speak. Um, you know, it's not uncommon on a Friday afternoon um, that you know, a lawyer calls me that they're in the middle of a mediation. Uh, and they're trying to hash out a deal for, for their clients and they can't agree on the mortgage information because of the Greek course as an example. Right. So uh, just last week that happened exactly to me and I was able to take the call and we were able to discuss with, over the telephone, both lawyers, both clients, and we were able to give them an overview of the mortgage industry and how they, were, they would be able to qualify uh, for, for both mortgages. Right. And
0: sometimes answering that call can save a deal, you know, maybe it's just a misunderstanding or something simple.
1: Absolutely. And it can save time and frustration. No one right. wants to walk into the weekend uh, with… stressed
0: stress debate, uh, not having the answer. Right. right. With,
1: with financial stress, which no one really needs. So, John, in terms
0: of clients considering uh, mortgage financing to help pay for their divorce, and what tips would you have for them when working with their lawyers or working with
1: somebody like you? Um, anytime you you, uh, engage a mortgage professional whether it's the person at the bank whether it's another mortgage broker or myself I would say ask tough questions and build a relationship with with him or her Uh, trust your gut if your gut is telling you hey I believe in him or her start start the process and start building a relationship uh, with him uh, or her for that matter Uh, it's also important you know ask tough questions like hey you know, what is your, what's your promise to me that you will monitor my mortgage post-funding, right? right. Do I always have to call you? Are you going to call me? Are you going to put me on some sort of mailing list with, with various updates, right? We, it's important to be updated with, with, with market trends. Um, also... And that can save somebody a lot of money if the mortgage renews
0: automatically. And you send them a notice saying this bank's offering you a 2% discount, you could be saving them hundreds of dollars a month. Absolutely.
1: Right. And it's also important to. Uh, to to follow up with clients because you know what things change in two three years right right what happens if they get remarried or if they want to upgrade a property or what happens if you know the, there's a hole in the roof and they don't have ten thousand dollars to fix it so it's always important to have that review uh, with with client needs also um, another thing is you know if 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 the lowest rate is the most important thing to a client and for some people it really is but. If that is if that makes or breaks your relationship with someone, you should ask them what is your commitment to me, the client, if the competitor has a lower rate. Are you going to inform me of that? Right. Right. And um, but that's those really are, are are two of the biggest tips. You know, asking tough questions and, and don't be hesitant. Um, I also say call um, I want you to have your initial meeting. A day or two passes call that person and see if they pick up the phone. Or if you leave a message, how long does it take for that person to call you back or return an email? That's a tell sign of of what's to expect. And Someone like
0: you, you're not tied into a specific bank or institution. You're going to shop it around and look for the best deal, however that's structured.
1: Absolutely. So we're client focused. So so my obligation is to my client or clients for that matter, and in order to give them uh, unbiased advice on pros and cons of each lending institution and the rate and you know, quite often some, some rates come with uh, restrictions and handcuffs. You want to stay away from those
0: because as it we know- It could be penalties to break the mortgage. You may be saving half percent but you're paying a lot more on the other end depending on what
1: the terms are. Absolutely. And then the other and on the flip side to that is what happens if you can't refinance midterm with a competing lending institution to save, you know, not just a couple hundred bucks, tens of thousands of dollars, because you saved, uh, you know, you saved five or ten basis points when you signed two years ago. Right, right. So it's really important to understand what you're, what you're signing, uh, what you're, what you're signing. Uh, the 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 bottom. Ah, pardon me. It's important to note what your uh, what you're buying into. Right. And, and the document that you're signing. Right. So going With through the, the overall
0: path. cost of the transaction is and Absolutely. how much flexibility you're going to get if you need to break it or change terms.
1: Absolutely. And there's, there's quite often, you know, we, we have clients that walk through the door. They, they engaged uh, a mortgage broker, you know, three four years ago, and now they're in the process of a separation or a divorce. One person wants to keep the house. But they didn't know that the terms and conditions of that mortgage stated that they could only refinance with that existing mortgage. Right. right. They're usually at that point uh, losing, losing money because they, can, they, they have to adhere to the, to the rates and the terms and conditions of that existing lender. So you're going to help them f-
0: understand the traps and pitfalls that they may not be able to see because they don't work with these institutions or these documents on a daily basis. Absolutely.
1: In, in, in the mortgage business, there's a, there's a saying. a low rate may save you you know hundreds of dollars but the right mortgage product will literally save you thousands of dollars great tip thanks for all
2: your information um is there anything else you'd like
1: to add uh i think we covered everything but the most important thing is whoever you're working with and whoever you're dealing with on uh, on a daily basis uh make sure you're you trust your gut ask tough questions and uh, be upfront with your mortgage mortgage professional and have that open, uh, open dialogue to get what you want.
0: Well, thank you very much, John. Thank you, Carolyn, for joining us today. This is a really important podcast. I think it's going to be really valuable to everybody listening and thinking about financing and potentially financing their divorce through a product such as you sell. Thank you for listening to the family law now podcast. Please stay tuned. We'll have new podcasts coming out shortly. The Lawyer's Lip Program. This is put on by Russell Alexander Collaborative Family Lawyers. We're offering free taxi rides for people who have been drinking New Year's Eve to get them home safely and avoid drinking and driving. The program runs from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Learn more at our main website, russellalexander.com. Call a cab and we'll get the tab.